Hi, and welcome back to the Be A Better Ally podcast. My name is Trisha Friedman. My pronouns are she, her, and hers. This is sort of a historic episode. It is the first time ever we are having a musician, a songwriter on the show. We'll dig into that in just a a minute, but we do have a touch of business to kick things off with. I want to tell you about Willow. Willow is a community bookstore and resource center creating a space for the reprieve of escapism and the empowerment of education. Willow also needs your support. Community bookstores, independent bookstores, if you've been listening to the podcast, you know I'm a big fan. So if you'd like to support this project, you can head over to gofundme.com forward slash help a community bookstore grow. That link will be over there in the show notes. The money that Willow raises above their goal is going towards a ramp and other accessibility needs for the store. Follow along with them and their virtual events on Instagram at Willow Press. Again, the link to that can be found over there in the show notes. So as we have a musician, singer, songwriter on the show, it seems like it only makes sense to just listen in a little bit to some of their music. Enjoy. to the song Pushing. Pushing was performed and written by the artist Ren. That was Ren's entry into the 2022 NPR Tiny Desk Contest. Please note that that entrance out of many, many, many that are submitted to NPR was named as one of this year's standouts by the judge. So we'll come back to that track in just a little bit after Ren tells us more about the meaning behind the lyrics and their work as a performing artist. Enjoy this episode. So yeah, hi there, I'm Ren. I'm a songwriter and musician based on the central coast of California. My work lends itself to be very self-reflective, touches on themes of mental health and gender identity and all things introspective. Um, You can find me at ren-music.com which has all my links to everything including instagram and and other articles etc 
We will make sure that those links are in the show notes. Ren, you are actually the very first songwriter musician that we have had on the podcast. So oh, cool. <laughs> I'm, I'm really excited about that. Um, and I want to start off. I know that I am a, a, a big fan of the Tiny Desk Concert Competition. It's been really <laughs> cool to watch that come out every year. And I know that other listeners uh, will also be fans. And I'd love to start off by talking about your recent entry for just this year's past um, competition. The, the title of the song is Pushing. For folks who are not aware of that competition, it is an annual event that's hosted by NPR. The link to your full entry is going to be over there in the show notes. Um, it's just really fun to watch you perform that song. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like every time I've listened to it, I really do take something different away from the lyrics or from your performance. And I'd love to just hear you expand a little bit more um, on the origin story of the song, whether or not you knew it was going to be your entry for that competition or not, um, or maybe how long you felt like that song was with you. Yeah, so that was a newer song at that point. I don't remember when the, I think it was something like March where the deadline was. And I had written it in, I think, December of 2021. So a, a freshie. <laughs> um, so it had been with me for a short time. And yeah, as far as, I'll go into the backstory a little bit, but as far as um, like deciding that that was my tiny desk entry. It was just really potent for me at the time. And it was mostly an intuitive thing. You know, I, I knew it was coming from a genuine place. And I think that that's for me when I want to share music with people at a larger scale, I want to be sure that it's coming from, you know, an, an authentic feeling. And so that was like, that's a very vague way of saying, I don't know, it just felt right <laughs> to share. Um, but yeah, that song, it, it Pushing, it originally came from a songwriting prompt. Um, I take these workshops from this online school, which I will never stop being a fanboy of, called School of Song. And they have um, songwriters come and do really like quick two-week workshops you meet very briefly and you hear about the songwriters kind of perspective and yeah it was with Courtney Marie Andrews her workshop and she was referencing a poem called you can't have it all by Barbara Ross I believe and it was kind of the prompt was to respond to that poem and to paraphrase the line that stood out to me which was prompted my response. Uh, It was the soulful eyes of a black dog wanting to bite away your sorrows. And there was something about that line that really popped something open in me. You know, I think we've all had those moments, whether it's through, you know, poetry or visual arts or whatever, where you just feel a little cracked open. And it was easy for me to access something that had been hard for me to access before um, to write about. And yeah, it just reminded me of the feeling I was having at the time of helping uh, a transgender teen in my life seek medical care. Well, not just medical care, but 
care in general, gender affirming care, whether that was through, yeah, the medical industrial complex, which is hard to navigate, the school system, you know, therapy, all of all of the the resources I could find to support this kid in my life. And I was banging my head against just, yeah, frustrations with the system and how many hoops you really have to jump through even in a state like California where I live where, you know, it's lauded as one of the most progressive as far as uh, gender affirming care for young people. And so, yeah, I was really in those feelings um, and that's what came about. And I definitely relate to the dog in that poem. Um, so, yeah, it, it cracked open this really easy access to to talk sorry you could hear my cat in the background probably to talk more on that subject i you know for me i tend to write about things musically that i can't talk about um easily so it's always funny talking about my songs because i'm like well did you listen to it <laughs> those are my feelings but um but yeah so i'm really grateful for that workshop for allowing me to express my own emotions around it but also i mean it's more rare that i will write songs that are addressed to another person and this to me was obviously addressing this kid in my life um, but it was also addressing parts of myself and a wider audience of just queer and trans kids. So, yeah, I guess that's that's the backstory. <laughs> Thank you so much for, for sharing that. And um, listeners, I have no doubt when you listen to the uh, the song itself, I feel like as you describe, you know, your feelings are just so rawly present in that song. It really mm. comes through. Um, and of course, you know, I, I'd be remiss if I didn't point out that the entry was identified as one of the year's standout entries. And that's, you know, a huge accomplishment. Congratulations, because Thank I you. know, you know, NPR receives so many entries. It's a gigantic yeah. competition, right? Um, are you able to sort of identify why that entry might have resonated with the audience? Do you feel like it's, you know, what you were describing um, you know, in, in your emotions being so at the core of it, do you think it's that or do you think it's it's perhaps something else or is it really hard as a songwriter <laughs> performer to understand what's going on with folks on the receiving end? Yeah, you know, for me, I think there are some artists that really try to think about the audience perspective when taking in music. I am actually not one of those people. <laughs> um, I try hard really not to do that because... Um, yeah, I don't want it to affect the authenticity of, of what I'm doing it for myself. But um, I can guess. <laughs> and I think, yeah, I think, again, it is coming from a very real place and some very raw emotions. Um, I have noticed even when performing, when you sit, when I am sitting in a place of authenticity and in integrity with my own feelings, people will resonate with that. But I also think the feelings it touches on are very global. You know, we all have people in our life that we love and want to make the world a better place for them. Um, I think especially with the climate of 
what's going on in the United States, whether it's trans healthcare or any sort of bodily autonomy, um, we're all feeling like we want the world to change. And I think we're all trying to fit into a world that doesn't quite leave the right shape for us, right? Uh, on so many different levels. So I think, yes, this is a song about seeking gender affirming care for somebody I love, but it really it's just about wanting to make the world a better place for the people that we care about in general. Yeah, I, I think that idea of just longing for justice and longing yeah. to safety, um, I, I feel that very deeply and, and that completely makes sense. So I think you might be onto something there. <laughs> uh, in a recent interview with NPR, again, listeners, this will be linked over in the show notes, uh, you said that you've learned about yourself and your relationship with gender through your music. The audience of this show is primarily K-12 educators who are also, you know, looking for various entry points into discussions around gender. Yeah. I think they'll be very curious to hear more from you in terms of um, why perhaps learning through that avenue, how that has happened for you so that perhaps they can tap into that, um, again, as like a foothold into that discussion for others. Totally. Yeah. Wow. So for me, I think the way that I write can be very um, subconscious, right? You're tapping into things that that you're not, maybe are not on the forefront of your mind. And writing is always a form of exploration for me. Um, I would say, you know, it's really interesting thinking of, of of it coming from like an educator's perspective. Like I said, the song came from a prompt, right? I would have had no, like I had no idea how to, how to express these feelings lyrically before or musically before, but having that like jumping off point was really important. And so when I think about um, how some of my music, I've been able to parse some feelings about my own gender it's yeah, it's really coming from a place of investigation. And so anytime you can encourage anybody, especially young people to have that form of self-reflection, you know, you never know what you're going <laughs> to you never know what you're going to find. And for me, you know, I don't go out being like, "Okay, I'm going to go investigate my gender through music today." It's it's more of like looking at a song and in a way, emotionally analyzing it later. Um, yeah, it's 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 more of you know, what is what is that phrase? Hindsight is twenty twenty. <laughs> That's how I've really been able to to realize how much of my work was actually talking to myself about my own gender identity. Mm, so it's almost in a way the prompts are sort of tools of leveraging your agency at the same time respecting that you are a creative being mm -hmm. um, and, and just sort of that space and that time and that patience provided to like experiment with those ideas maybe yeah I think it's like f giving myself permission to to spend time with myself in that way and to be creative and like when I think about the people in my life that have been supportive of my work, it's not even necessarily 
I, like I'm now jettisoning back to my own youth, you know, when I think about like my creative heroes, um, which were people in my life that were just like, keep doing that. <laughs> and yeah, take up some space, you know, I think for me, it is a lifelong journey to allow myself to take up that space and to not feel guilty to focus on myself and my own inner workings. If anything, I mean, that's that's how I've like healed from so much of my own history. And that's how I found play in in things that can be pretty heavy. So yeah, I mean, if I had to give any advice to educators, which I am not one, but I do, I have worked, I have worked with them before. It's just like, focus on on the curiosity and the play. And I think that's where a lot of people end up finding a lot of uh, gender affirmation is through play and through curiosity. Yeah, thank you so much for, for sharing that. Um, and again, play is so powerful for us at all ages. And as totally. you were just mentioning, like as an adult learner yourself, right, that, that playfulness um, is, is so important in our lives, I think. Yeah. Um, lastly, can you give us some hints or some clues about what we <laughs> might be able to expect from your upcoming album entitled Shapes? Yeah. So as far as like technically, I ha it's going to be a nine song full length album. It's my, my first released um, under the name Ren. And I am so excited about it. I've, you know, it's so funny. I had another... I had another Tiny Desk entry that was highlighted last year in 2021. Thanks, NPR Wild. Um, and that kind of <laughs> that kind of led to this like domino effect of getting to work with some of these people um, that I just really admire. There's this woman, Bella Blasco, who is the engineer for The National. And I knew her years ago, and we always wanted to connect because I really enjoyed some of her production on a on a fellow musician's work it was so nuanced and so subtle and i was able to sit in that space of you know having some again some affirmations of like hey you're you're headed in the right direction you're doing things that are that are good and and uh what do you want to do next and when i sat in that space that was the person i wanted to work with and so really excited about working with bella i haven't been able to as somebody who's a, a songwriter and can be a little hermity, uh, find somebody as aligned uh, with my music before. And so that form of communion is really important to me. Um, and yeah, that just kind of led to be able to work with like other great players. So when I think about like, oh, that that's some of the stuff I'm the, the most excited about. But um, thematically, it's a collection of songs over really just the last couple of years, plenty of quarantine songs, I will say. And yeah, a lot of them, a lot of them are focused on this, this sort of self reflection. You know, I have, I could pick out like a handful of songs and be like, yep, that's definitely about my gender, or about um, the world around me. You know, there's, there's one song in particular, that is really like, strangely accurate for what's going on right now with with overturning of Roe versus Wade and yeah it's just interesting like almost in a way how 
how songs can really tap into similar to to my own internal stuff like I, I think I was able to feel some things about my environment that um, looking back on now it's like oh wow that's very it's very accurate for what's going on right now so yeah it's it's a lot of feelings wrapped up in nine songs and I'm really excited to share it eventually <laughs> well we're, we're excited to, to watch out for for more on that um, and I'm, I'm kind of curious, I completely agree with you, you know, music oftentimes can feel very much a product of the time in which yeah. it's produced. Um, and I, I hope I'm not misremembering this, but I remember when Fiona Apple's latest album came out, mm. there was like a think piece. And I feel like I'll read anything about Fiona Apple because her like her life is just like so wild and interesting. <laughs> totally. Um, and. <laughs> I, I think she said something along the lines of when she's songwriting, when she's pr getting ready to produce an album, that she really mm -hmm. can't listen to any other music because she's so afraid of it being influential. Yeah. Um, does that resonate with you as well? So I'll say that, like, I go through these weird phases that are more um, instinctual than like making sure I'm not being influenced by other artists because we all are to our core, you know. But I will say right now I am in an audiobook phase of my life where I am barely listening to music. Um, but that's not necessarily what's been happening throughout the production of this album. Honestly, it's been, we, I did everything through crowdfunding and it's also been all remote. So it's just taking it's sweet time and I'm letting it, I'm letting it live the way it needs to be. But yeah, I've noticed just as, as a, as a human who makes things, I go through phases of, of what I let myself, um, partake in, but it's not, it's not let myself quote unquote. It's like, it's not restrictive. It's more like, Oh, what do I need right now? And right now I need to listen to a lot of great queer books. <laughs> Yes, absolutely. I feel like we, we all need that all the time. Exactly. Um, <laughs> um, I, I'm kind of curious. I know that, you know, your music is sometimes compared to other artists. Mm -hmm. Is that at all a surprise when folks perhaps see, oh, maybe there there is some influence from this artist or this seems to also be aligned with the spirit of this music? Is that helpful to you or do you often find that like, huh, that's confusing. I'm not sure what that comparison is about. <laughs> I think... If anything, I always take it as a compliment because that means that they're resonating when they when there's comparison most of the time. I will say most of the time. It's because they are resonating with something that's meaningful to them and somebody else's work. Um, you know, I think I can get like a little chip on my shoulder from like years of being a songwriter perceived as a woman. You know, it's like how many times I've gotten Sarah McLaughlin or like Jewel is, <laughs> is very funny. Um, considering I, I don't feel like there's a lot of similarities there. Um, it's like, oh wait, but you're, you have a guitar and you look very feminine. So <laughs> there's, there's part of that that I'm like, all right guys. But most of the time, like it's really helpful to me to also see again because i'm not su super invested in thinking about how people are taking it in my music that when people compare or relate it it does give me a window into like how i am being perceived which is just like interesting <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> and really helpful when writing bios. So I do appreciate that. <laughs> that is really interesting. I was just reading, and I'm not going to remember the, the name of the sociologist, but um, they have this theory that we are all an I and a we, and the I is sort of like the us that's you know, backstage, mm -hmm. our interior monologue that's maybe not shared. And our we is all of the stuff that's like on the stage that's involving, you know, the other people in our life. Yeah. And so I wonder if as an artist, you kind of have your I and your we too. Oh, totally. I, wow, that's really interesting. I'm like soaking that in. Um, I would say like the I definitely is in the songwriting process, right? If I were to if I were to put it in that lens, and then I would say the we comes with with sharing, like with performance, um, because for so long the reason why it's taken me so long to get an album that I really love is that I'm I'm mostly a live performer, and the connection when I'm playing with people is pretty much you you can't capture that. In, in audio, it's impossible. It's an energetic um, thing that fills up the room. I was playing a, a show recently and I got to open for, or I got to like play after some poets and these like young poet laureates. So it was like so sweet and they were so good. And I was just thinking about the power of words and how performance is so much a spell you know, and it's the spell that we're passing like back and forth to each other, like as a performer and as someone who's a listener, there's there's this shared shared experience that's just, you know, almost tangible, right? You can just touch it. It feels so thick in the air. And so that's definitely, I would say, when I think when I think of we, that that feels like we to me. <laughs> Yeah. And I, I just have to say, I mean, that spell that you're describing, I really feel like that comes through in your tiny desk competition mm -hmm. video. And I know video is not the same as live <laughs> performance, but um, it, it really, it's, it's like palpable in that video form. And I'm sure there's so much that went into producing that to make that feel that way. Um, but whatever, whatever you did, it really, it really does feel that way. So thank you again thank for putting you. that out there um, into the world. And uh, we, we really look forward to seeing those nine songs come together on your <laughs> album, Shapes. Thank you so much. Folks, we'll close out with a little bit more of Pushing from Wren. Please remember to head on over to the show notes to learn more about their music and to follow them online. You can't talk about the future You can't see yourself